Logocentrifugal podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logocentrifugal. I'll let you divide and conquer. While you're strategizing, let me introduce today's special guest. I have with me the man himself, Hunter Drew. And Hunter's a guy I stumbled across the same way that most of you do. I just kind of, in this realm of Twitter that happens to have all these guys trying to help other dudes become better, not just dudes, but mainly because that's it's easier to speak from one man to another, to be frank. And uh, at first, you know, I just kind of put him in the same group as everybody else. Just like, all right, I'll see what this guy's about. And as time went on, I began to see that uh, there were, there was more of an emphasis on family and about uh, service and these kinds of things, these kind of themes that are important to me in Hunter's work than a lot of these other guys. Um, and that's not necessarily a criticism of the other guys. It's just that I related more to the family and the service end of things because I, I you know, those are some of the things I love in my life. And, and then I had the chance to get to know Hunter a little bit through my friend, Garrett Daly, who's been a guest on this podcast and keeps popping up. His name gets mentioned all the time, but he kind of, uh, introduced Hunter and I, and after a little back and forth, got him on the podcast and you might know him from his project, the fraternity of excellence, got a lot of good dudes in there trying to support each other and, and move forward a movement of responsibility. And you might know him from some other places, but I'll let him fill in the gaps. Hunter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for being here. And why don't you fill the audience in on any gaps I missed on who you are and what you do? Will do. First, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. It's one of the things where you, a lot of people have podcasts, a lot of people have YouTube channels, a lot of people invited on, but at no point does it get old. At no point is it a moment where you take it for granted. Like you're giving me your time. You're giving me an, an exposure to your audience, you know, and you're sitting down, like you said, you, you've got the family at home. You, you came out just to have this conversation. So that's, that's awesome, man. And I appreciate that. And I want you to know, like, that's a genuine thank you. Uh, as for the gaps, it's like you said, man, my, I speak to what I know. I want to help men. I want men to start doing the things that will get them to the life they want to live. You know, a lot of people say, I want to experience that, or I want to do more of this. Okay, do it. And if, if my work can help you get to the point where you're doing it, okay, cool. Let's work together. Let's make it happen. You know, a lot of people want to talk of the, the grand things with, with life, and there's a place for that. But I think there's also a place for talking about the simple things in life and the, just the little things that are the day and day grind of a father, you know, and that's when you talk about men. I predominantly are working with men. I'd say 99.9% because I'm a man, <laughs> because I'm a father. I don't know what it's like to be a mother. I've never been a woman. So my, my background of that and my area of expertise there is a damn near zero. <laughs> maybe, maybe point one because I have a wife and I have a daughter. So I do understand them, but I don't have the background of that. So I, I focus on family. I focus on camaraderie. I have a military background. So brotherhood is near and dear to my heart. So when you said family and duty or family and service, you know, that's, I'm, I'm glad that comes out through my message because that's what I, I love. That's what I enjoy. And that's what I know. And I'm very, very good at those things because I, I, I enjoy them. You know, it's, it's something I've wanted. I, this didn't fall on my lap. I made this happen. And I like working with the guys to kind of spread the message and do the same. Like you said, the fraternity of excellence, you know, a lot of the men in there because we're all kind of networking and working to help one another. A lot of the men have been on here, Garrett, you know, he's, it's, it's crazy how the connections are all made. And then we have a conversation and somebody hears something that, in this that changes their life. And it's because Garrett decided to have us talk to each other. And then we decided like, all right, let's make our schedules work. Let's make some time for each other. And holy shit, 
Now somebody's life is changing because we are giving the time because somebody else brought us together. It's just wild. Yeah. And you know, that's one of the things I talk to people about all the time about Twitter is like, you know, it is a weird place. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a very strange, weird place. And a lot of it is just like this poisonous soup that people go swimming in and they know it's a poisonous soup and then they jump in anyway and then wonder why they feel sick about it. But on the other hand, there are these places, these just like springs of mineral water that are purified. And, you know, you, you step into these places and it's like, oh man, you know, I probably can't stay here forever because I got to go out into the world and do things. But I come here and I recharge and I, and I drink in the light and then I go back out. And I, when you connect with the people that you find there, you're like, not everybody goes to the oasis. Some people just stay out in the desert until they're mummified. But when you go there and you meet the people there, it's like, hey, we might not agree on everything, but we all agree that we want things to be better and we want to do our part to see that it gets there. And so you kind of make these handshakes and these connections. And when you do, this crazy cascade of stuff starts happening because at first it's just a handshake, but then it's like, hey, what do you do? Oh, well, I, I do some of that too. And hey, I know a guy and you know a guy. And now we have this project and then businesses are started and then you know, these conventions are coming together. These teams are being put together. There's political aspirations in a lot of these groups. And so it's like, okay, holy shit. We just shook hands on Twitter. <laughs> and look and where we are now. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, and so I wonder, man, like, at what point in your, in your situation did you, um, did you figure out that that's what you were kind of going to do? You're going to kind of put together a team and then you were going to look down the road and see what you could work together to accomplish. So uh, I'm going to bring it back just a second on Instagram. I think it was yesterday. I put a tweet out or not, not a tweet. I put a, a picture out on Instagram that said it was a picture of a guy holding his head and his head was like a bunch of circuits. And I was talking about how if, if social media is giving you anxiety, if social media is making you angry, if the use of this is causing any negative in your life, Understand that you're not using social media. It's using you. You know, you choose what it looks like when you come online. And I've cultivated my following. I'm very, very strict with who it is I follow because I don't want negative energy going in and creating static. I want to hear the signal of life. I want the signal that connects us all to be, to be crystal HD, 1080p, clear, 4K, whatever you want to call it. I want that to be how my life is and how I live it. Look, like, just, this, this, just this conversation. I wouldn't have it if you were somebody that was toxic and that brought negativity to the world. Even if you were a good dude doing a good thing, you know, if I didn't connect to that message because I thought the vibes coming off weren't good, the vibration just like toxic, I would not speak to you only and not a slight against you, but just it's not for me. And so I, I cultivated the following. There was a time where I thought I was going to have a stroke because I was trying to keep up with everything. And I was, I was so mixed with all these different groups. And it wasn't until I, I stepped back and looked at what my mission was. And Ivan Throne helped me do that. You know, I stepped away from what was going on. I saw like, hey, my goal is to help men. My goal is to bring, you know, be this beacon of light and what is possible. And my life has dark moments too. But I, I try to show a, a different way of handling those dark moments, you know, with that positive vibes and, you know, just getting after it. And this is me natural. And, you know, I've had so many guys be like, hey, are you drunk? Like you day drinking? I'm like, no, man, this is just <laughs> me. Like, like I'm naturally like on this level. And it's because I'm not being used by social media. You know, I, I have a group that builds me up. And when I go on Twitter and I talk to you guys, we were just talking about the, the thread that you have. You know, I'm like, that, that charges me up. Like, look at all these people doing these things. And it's, they're so productive and men are doing so much good work that you can't even keep up. And I wish I could engage everybody, but there's only so many hours in the day. 
I wish I could be on there nonstop. But like you said, it's about the real world. If your real world self has any disconnect from the online self, you're going to be jacked up. If you're spending all the time online building that personality, you're not building who you are as a real man in the real world. You know, I, I hope someday to actually shake your hand. I would love to do a podcast where we're sitting at the same table. You know, so that, that handshake, the electronic handshake, we transcend that. This is as close as you can get. I use Zoom a lot for the FOE group chats because I want them to see each other. I want them to hear the tonality. You know, text does not convey tone. And I get to know you much more by seeing your mannerisms, the way you speak, the way you carry yourself, the way you laugh, the way, you know, it sounds like this weird thing, but you, you notice all these little things about the person and now you know them more. You know, you see the way I talk with my hands, you know, the way I smile when I'm saying certain things. You get to know me more than you would if it was just some Twitter bot flipping out saying, oh, you know, you're a total loser because you have a family. Like, oh, you know, all you care about is, you know, whatever. And you're like, oh, you, you paint a picture of who they are. But stuff like this shows who they really are. That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and you know better than I do, though I know well enough that because of those limitations of the, of the text platform, there is a certain way you have to sort of convey yourself on there to not be intentionally or otherwise misunderstood over and over and over again. I mean, that's going to happen anyway. And there are some people out there um, who just have this tendency within them to want to try to pick fights or whatever, just to pick fights. I mean, uh, like I often see some of these beefs going on and, and one person doesn't even care. They just like to fight because they won't acknowledge any of their previous stances the stances just kind of are like a Rolodex of like whatever. It's just the fact that they're fighting with somebody. And it's a, it's a bizarre thing because, you know, this turbulence, it's, it, it causes, like you talked about, you know, you don't want that, that poisonous energy coming up inside of you and, and frying your brain or frying your mood or frying your heart because the, and, and I talk about this all the time. I block people left and right. If, if you come up on my timeline and you have any sort of like, if you're just like, if you're a naked lady, you're automatically blocked. If you come in and you come into a conversation and you joined Twitter in June of 2019 and you have zero followers and you're following one person and it's the one person you just went and attacked for no reason out of the blue um, on the basis of like just trying to attack somebody, you're getting blocked. If you like, I, I'm happy to block because there's difference between engagement and, and thoughtfulness, thoughtful disagreement versus, um, being a bitch. <laughs> I mean, straight was up. It, was it like, you that commented on the guy who he had like brand new account, but he said like all this stuff about me in my past. And you were like, you know, you seem to know a lot about this guy for somebody who's brand new. Why did you create this account to say what you had to say? And not obviously your normal one. And I was like, holy shit, man. Like I then clicked on it. I was like, yeah, this, this account was just made and he's bringing up years worth of content I've, I've shared. Yeah. I was like, how did that happen? So I was, I was very well said. Well, I have this, I have this thing where um, I get pretty like into the things I take a fascination to. And when someone attacks me or somebody attacks somebody that um, like I'm friendly with, or especially one of my tight brothers or one of my good friends or whatever, it's like, it's very easy to see what's going on with them, especially on Twitter. You have a bio, you have all this information about you, who you're following, who's following you, when you started, where you say that you're from, this avatar that you've chosen, whether it's your face or it's not, and all the shit that you've ever said on there. And if you just like take five minutes and you, and you scroll through the timeline and you look at what they say about themselves, you go, I got you pegged, dude, because either you are what you say you are, which is a monster, 
or you're lying about, you know, like, or, or, but who would the person be who would try to use this as a tool? Okay, well, I got you pegged. And now I know your weak points. I know your strong points. And I know how to take you down. And then now that I know that, I don't even really need to. I'm just going to say this one thing to you to try to like maybe break through your wall for a second. And I'm going to block you because I got no time for your poison. I don't. I'm not going to let you poison me. Oh, oh, chance submitted because he blocked me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> You, you run with that and I'm going to run with, I'm going to be a good dude trying to do good things. And if you get in my way, you're out of my way instantly. I don't care about you. Goodbye. If you're ruining a good thing, then I don't have time for you because I'm trying to change the world and you're trying to get some notoriety by being an asshole. That's not what I need. And I, I wonder like how your maybe relationship with these kinds of things has transformed over time, especially as the eyes have been focused on you more and more intently. When I first started, I thought I had to change everybody's mind. I thought I had, I, I'm like, I, I know what I'm doing is, is right and subjectively right. But I think there's an objective nature to, I have a, a good family. I'm, I'm living a good life. I'm smiling more than I'm not. So I, I think what I'm doing is working to a degree. So I try to share that. And when people are like, no, you're completely wrong. Nobody should ever have a family. Nobody should ever get married. Nobody should ever, you know, do these things. I'm like, I, I would try to convince them. That's when I first started out. I'm like, no, let me explain all my reasons why and change your mind. And I would lay out this, this great package of info that took me hours to make. And they're like, nope, you're wrong, cuck. I was like, what? <laughs> I just gave you all that work of my time. And I realized that can only happen so many times before you, you, get a little, you get a little pissed off. You get a little disappointed. And you know, like this, like, it's like the, the parasite of like anger and resentment starts to creep in. So then I started going that way to where now I started getting pretty bitter and angry. And I'm like, you know what, screw you guys. I'm not going to, I don't care about any of this. This is all retarded. I'm just going to go do my thing. And you know, I don't care about any of you. And then you find yourself isolated. And I'm like, man, now I'm like, I've got, my, I'm so like got my sword up or my spear. I'm ready to fight everybody off that I'm, I'm no longer smiling as much as I was. I'm no longer as when I get online, I'm, I'm angry now and I'm only dealing with people who are bitter. And then another evolution of self, you know, I shed that skin and I just started maturing. I started learning about myself. And this is one of the things where you can only do through your experience. You know, you've got to go through these phases. I think what, what helped me was I knew what was capable. I knew like in my real world, like people are normally happy. You know, people are having a good time. In my real world, I can have these conversations and somebody wouldn't say that to my face. And knowing that and hanging on to that aspect of who I was allowed me to not let the resentment stay. I was like, I can't be angry all the time. Like these guys online, they're just men who are lost. You know, there's no way that we can argue that acting like an asshole online doesn't impact who you are as a person. You can't go online and be like, oh, I'm some crazy troll and then walk away and be like, hey, child, come sit in my lap. This is fun. Like that, that's impossible. It infects you. You either either that that happy father, like you said, will come through or like the monster will go the other way. And all of a sudden the binary code infects your head. And now you're a living troll. And you look at people in the bus instead of saying, like, oh, that's a nice old lady. You're like, you know, I bet you that she would take advantage of any man and try to take his money. And then even at her old age, you're like, what the how? How do you think like that? So I I shed that skin. And then I got to the point where I started working with men and I started hearing their stories of how my words helped improve their life. And that's, that's such a great fuel to feel, you know, when people say, Hey, I listened to your podcast, you know, chance and Hunter, you guys, you guys said this thing and it, it clicked. And now I have a better relationship with my family or a better relationship with myself. And you're like, wow, like I, I cannot turn this mic off. I can't walk away from this. Like, this is, this is my calling. This is what life satisfaction I have. This is great. So then I started to, to really hang on to that message. And every now and then, you know, for, for whatever reasons, I've, the spotlight kind of hit my account and I, I've done my best to not roll around with the pigs, but I have fallen into it. And it's one of those things you just got to pull out. 
like as much as you want to argue, as much as you want to defend, as much as you want to to engage, but that would send me back to phase one of Hunter. Now I'm now I'm trying to prove prove people right. That's not the right answer. You know, the right answer is to go out and do my thing, outproduce, out content, out speak, out record, outlive all these other individuals. And the men who actually matter, the ones who aren't little bots, they'll see that and they're gonna follow me because they're gonna see like this dude. All these guys are really cool and popular because their accounts get to smash him and, and negativity is great. It sells like nothing else. But this dude is real and he's actually living a life and I want to live a real life. I don't want to be a cool online guy. I want to be a dude who's having a great life and, and seizing it, whatever that is. Family, not family, you know, married, divorced, single, play, whatever you want to call it. Do your thing as best you can. Have a good life because in, at the end of the day, if you turn all this, all this stuff off, I'm awesome. <laughs> like I've got an awesome wife right now who's hanging out waiting to go to lunch with me. I've got cool dogs. My kids are awesome. I'm better in the real world than I am on here. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I'm 33 years old. I'm not 23 and I'm not 13. I'm not 43 or 53 or 63 or whatever either. Like some of these guys that I have the chance to be associated with Billy Red Horse or Chief Chuck or, you know, PD Mangan or some of these some of these guys, Bobby, I mean, yep. Ivan, these guys are, these guys are cool to be able to lean on a little bit and lean on their experience and their wisdom. Um, but I realized that, you know, in my thirties, I'm an old man in internet speak and, and by the metrics of the people who are on there, I'm 10 years older than everybody on Twitter is kind of what it comes down to, you know? And so just like you said, and I mean, people, people who listen to this podcast know I'm, I'm a bit wilder than you are just kind of all around. Um, but I've lived a wild, hard life and, uh, you don't, you know, you don't come away from that being just like a Bobby Bowtie or whatever. But the point is I have a lot of guys come to me too and say, Hey, you know, you said this and it really impacted me or I read your book and now I'm going to read it twice because I just read your book cause I like you. And then I, I got into it and I went, Oh, I really want to do this stuff. I feel like it could really make a difference. So I'm going to go do it. And when you, you know, when you put the work into doing something and it's from your heart and it's something you wanted to share with the world because you had this thought in your head, this vision that said, if I put this on paper, if I put this on video, if I put myself in front of these people, I'm going to make a positive impact in their lives. The world's going to be better. And who knows what kind of ripples can come from, I say these words or I write these words and then someone hears them and it, it shifts them three degrees and then they're three degrees better. And then they meet that person who shifts them another three degrees. And all along, these ripples just continue and extend out all from just you saying the thing you needed to say in the moment to bring a little light into somebody's life, to bring a little light into their eyes from the things you wrote or the video that you made. And I love seeing that happen. And then you, if you pay attention, you can see the network of your positivity grow, just like the people that you're connected with in that network really grow too. And it's such a profound honor and so very humbling, especially for a guy like me who I came from a very dark place and then I took care of all these things along the way and I really, I didn't want to, I didn't want to put myself out there because I got a lot of chains stuck to my back that I'm hauling with, you know, but then I got strong and stronger and stronger here, here, all around stronger. And at a certain point, you know, I just felt in my heart, I have to share this stuff because I went from here all the way to here. And most people are just trying to get from here to here. And if I can, if I can show them, Hey, these tools took me from here to a place that a lot of you aren't yet. And I, and I did it way faster than a lot of people do it because I had all this help and I had all these tools and I had this will to do it. 
I can help you with the tools and stuff. And if you got the will, I can give you so many shortcuts because I've had to go through it. And I know that you talk a lot about that in certain regards in your own work, in your own life, and translating some of these things you've had to go through, these things that cause pain and suffering, and turning them into a lesson that you can share with the world. And I have found that to be very therapeutic. And I wonder your thoughts on, on the power that that brings to you when you convert those things that cause you to suffer into things that cause other people to avoid suffering. I think it was George Bruno who said, you know, take, turn your flaws into features. And I think that's exactly what you've done. And what I've chosen to do as well is the things I used to be ashamed of, the things I'd want to hide more than anything, the, the flaws of my character. I don't know when, but at some point I was like, this, these are features. These are what made me who I am. And, the, and nobody gets here without, you know, some battle scars. And if you have, you know, good on you, but understand that life is not, it does not care about you. You, you, you care about you, you know, you build relationships, they care about you, but life just is, you know, this is just the world we live in and bad things happen. And someday, you know, just because you made it this far, tomorrow might be a different day. Tomorrow you might lose that battle. And now you've got your scars. Don't hide from them. I think a lot of men are ashamed. They have a lot of shame and there are things that they've done or have been done to them that they don't want to share with the world because they think of being judged and then ostracized from the group. People fear isolation. And what's wild is people are more isolated than ever through connection because they see all these things and they're like, oh, you guys are so awesome. You know, my life sucks because I had to go through one, two, and three. Well, no, one, two, and three made you who you are. That's why, that's why you're part of the group. I don't want to have a roundtable discussion. Let's have all the guys in the, the Chance uh, Lunsford podcast group. Let's put us all in a roundtable. I don't want to hear just all your successes. Share your losses. Help those around you understand that you lost, but you kept on going. A lot of people have related more to my failures than my successes because there are a million successes because everybody wants to share their highlight reel. There aren't that many people saying, hey, like I got burned many times in my life, but here I am, shoulders back. And it, it kind of empowers them to take the skeletons and burn them to the light of the truth. Instead of trying to hide it and make it a lie that, oh, you never failed. No, you did fail. Here's that skeleton. Bring it out. Let the world see it and watch how it disintegrates in your hands. It no longer has power over you because you're no longer ashamed of it. And one of the biggest things with when I share my failures is that's me. So if you're to meet me, there's no difference between Hunter Drew and my real name because it's just letters. I've shared everything about my life. It's, it's, it's like some really fucked up, you know, show and tell. <laughs> like, hey, look what <laughs> happened to me. Let's talk about it. Come on, class. Here's my like darkest secret. But once it's gone, you have no power over me. There's nothing you can say or do that would expose me or make me feel bad about myself because I've already, I don't know if you've seen 8 Mile, but when, uh, when Eminem raps, he, he, he says all the things that are wrong with him. He's like, all right, here's the mic. Say something they don't know. That's kind of what I chose to do and the, the route I took. Yeah. And I, I just want to jump in on that a little bit and caution people. That there's a difference between saying, here's what I've been through and here's what I've learned and saying, here's what I've been through. And so here's the special list of rules that I've written for you to address me with. Um, because <laughs> Good point. Because when people, when people use their failings and their flaws as excuses or as reasons to complain, that's a far different uh, intent and it's a far different effect that it's going to have on people than if you use your flaws and your failings as an opportunity to relay lessons that will help people avoid making similar mistakes. <laughs> and and if, you, if you don't know the difference, um, then you got to have mercy on your soul because... <laughs> <laughs> you just inspired a new term. You know, I just wrote it down called victim, victim privilege. You know, you get privileges because of the bad thing that, no, 
you just get to share how you went through it. You don't, there's no special status. I, there's nothing special because I, I, I screwed up a, like a, B and C, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's more like little checkpoints of learning, not, Hey, I get a special pass because of this happened to me. You don't get passed for anything. Yeah. Look, you get a handicap sticker if you're in a wheelchair, not cause you're stupid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 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 you know, I, uh, I actually wrote down something as you were talking too, since we're on the subject, because I, I had just been listening to an audio book before I um, started with you. And there was something that I liked, which was, um, failures become failings. And I was thinking to myself that that's true if you don't address them. And then I just kind of left it there. And then when you said, um, when you talked about George Bruno saying, turn your flaws into features, it just kind of like painted in the other side of that coin. You know, it's like your, your failings or your failures can either become failings or features. The difference is in whether or not you address the problem. And that's, I mean, that's, that's one of those tools that seems simple enough in your life, but there's a lot of responsibility and ownership that comes with dealing with the problem. And so people just kind of step away from that simple truth. And, and then that's where excuses and things come in is like, well, you know, it'd be really hard for me to admit that I was so wrong here for so long and so many times. So what I'm going to do is instead of doing that, cause that'd be hard, I'm going to say, well, but you see, I have this special thing about me, which makes it okay for me to do this thing that I knew was wrong. And I wonder like, I've, I've had to do a lot of things to get over that tendency within myself. And I wonder both maybe what you've done in your own life or some of the tools you use to overcome that sort of childish or adolescent tendency to make excuses and how you might uh, coach other people in your work now that you, that's kind of what you do a lot to, to help other dudes or other people be able to move beyond some of those tendencies as well. So in 2006, I joined the Navy and up until that point, I was always a kid that worked really hard, but I was like the super nice guy, super emotional, super like energy was flying out into the world. None of it was channeled to anything productive. I was just like a mess. But one thing that I always did and was always complimented on was I worked very hard. Like if you give me yard work, I would work until like hands were bleeding. I would not stop working. And something I pride myself on is I'll outwork anybody. Like I just won't stop you know, or I will physically break down before I stop. And that single feature I think has helped carry me to here. And that's what I try to instill in other men is when I joined the Navy, I learned very quick that if you channel, you know, have a mindset and you're trying to get somewhere, you channel that energy and you're like, all right, if I put my, my focus on this one thing, and then I also work hard at it, I'm going to do well. And you know what a leader does? A leader will pick up the heaviest thing first, work with everybody and put the heavy thing down last that inspires them. As you're, and again, you're giving me a lot of contents that I'm going to be using later. You know, it's like mountains, it's like the mountain versus the slide, you know, mountains, they'll bring you to high peaks, to great views, but you've got to work to climb them. A slide is very easy, but you're going down. You don't slide up. You always slide down a nice, easy path. You coast your way, but you're going to get worse and worse and worse because you're doing the easy thing and your life is going to deteriorate, deteriorate, deteriorate. But if you choose to take the path of the mountain and climb as hard as it is, as much as it sucks. Even when you're halfway up and you look around, you're like, look at the view I have. I earned this because I did the hard thing. And then you hit the apex and you find, hey, there's another mountain over there. I'm going to climb that one too to go to another height in my life and see another view and experience all these things earned though, not given. 
Nothing will be given. And if you have to take a path where you want somebody to give you something, understand that's the slide. You've got to earn what it is you want. And to all the men that I work with, all the things, all the people that I coach, all the men that follow my content, I'm always stressing the message that it is hard to do the work to get to where it is you want to go, but it's worth it. You know, there's no shortcut to any place worth going. You take a shortcut to the beach, you know, you, you miss like the, the roundabout. You know, people get they get so literal and like, well, shortcuts are easier. They get you there faster. This isn't about like, what do you what do you want to rush for, man? This is life. Yeah, man. You know, that makes me think of a very specific story from my life because I like to climb mountains. Um, and there was there's this uh, mountain near where I live called Mount Nebo. It's a uh, Mount Nebo. It's about twelve thousand feet, and it's a brutal mountain for this reason. The trail that leads to the summit has a pinnacle and then a precipitous drop and then another pinnacle. And it's right at the end of the hike. I mean, it's like a, let's call it a nine hour hike. And the last, the last like 45 minutes to an hour is you summit this one pinnacle and then you head down and then you head straight back up. And it's so brutal because it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a steep hike anyway. And the first time that I did it, I had just bought a new pair of boots um, and they were not broken in and I was getting blisters. Like Good a decision. Son of a, that was a great call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I get to this first peak and then I see the next peak and I see like, oh man, like I, I got these blisters and I, and I borrowed somebody's like moleskin adhesive stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, there's a reason I don't carry this because it doesn't work. It wears off in about two seconds. And then you just got this thing chafing at your heel. That's like a rolled up bandaid. Great. That worked good. And so I was like, man, I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to bleed up my heels. And I sat there and I was like, no, nah, you guys go on. And then I sat there for a minute. I was like, man, am I really going to bitch out like this? I mean, it is, it's going to be uncomfortable for a few days, but what I'm going to come up this far and then just turn around because I had tender feet give me a fucking break. Let's go. And so I, I went, you know, and I, yeah, like heels got torn up. I got all kinds of bloody heels and stuff. And then I ate some mushrooms on the top of the mountain and I had a good time coming back down allegedly. Go. So, but my point is like, <laughs> the, the point is to relate to what you said is that sometimes, you know, it's all that you can do. You think to get to the top of this mountain. And then you see, you're not actually at the top of the mountain. And not only that, but you got to break some stuff down. You got to break some stuff apart. You got to head back down a little ways. And then you got to head back up because you did something wrong here. You got to go back and fix it. And you can't move forward until you fix this other thing that you did, or you're going to have to pay the consequences you choose. And then, you know, you, you do it. And then it's the reward for pushing through a hard thing or going back and fixing it and then doing it again. It's like doing the hardest part three times in a row. It's like, man, I did the hardest part three times in a row and I still got this. You know what that tells me now? Man, if I'd had a little foresight and planning, I could have gone way further than I just went. And my maximum, my absolute maximum output is actually a lot more because I didn't actually hit it. I found this place within me where I had more and then I kept going and I didn't actually hit my maximum at all today because I could have kept going. So what is my maximum? Let's find out. Let's find out. And then you get that fire. And once you have that fire, I mean, it can go out again, but if you keep it burning, if you keep it burning, then you just, you keep looking like, man, I got this thing and I did what I needed to do. And I was disciplined and I was organized and I got this project done or I was instinctual, but I kept going and I have this system within me that I don't have to think about a lot. I just do the next thing because it's needful, whatever, however you operate. But the point is you got to keep going, you got to keep going. And then everybody does this who gets that fire. You reach the red line. 
And you'll know it because you'll start feeling sick. You'll start feeling exhausted. You'll start falling asleep at your desk, whatever the signs are for you. And then you have this choice in front of you. And it, it's like, do I keep going right now where I know I'm going to fall apart and I'm going to have to pay some dire consequences or do I stop? Do I take a step back? Do I have a vacation? Do I scale back a little bit? Can I still get this done? This thing that's been driving me to the point where I feel like I'm going to break, can I still get it done if I step back? And if not, what am I going to do? And to be honest, man, I've crossed that line almost every time I've gotten to it. I'm a little more mature now in my 30s because I seem to crash a lot harder than I did in my teens or 20s. Even though I live a much healthier life, uh, it still seems to affect me more. And I think to myself, how many more times can I go six months sleeping three hours to get a thing done? And is that going to be enough? of those projects for me to feel good to just pull back and keep going, but not so extreme. And, you know, I know you're a motivated guy and I know you have big dreams and big visions and it, and I wonder how you manage to deal with that sort of drive that can, that can cause you to push too hard and crash. And what are some of the things you do to avoid doing that? And maybe you could speak to that and offer up a bit of advice to those who are already on the path, but maybe they're sprinting. <laughs> so it's funny, as you were telling the story, I'm like, I, I see myself in that, like in your story. And it's, I thought you were gonna ask this as you were saying it, but when you find that line, like you don't know where it is until you cross it and fall on your face. And you're like, oh, that's where the line was, you know, five steps behind me. My answer is probably not the best or the healthiest, but what I do is I see, all right, I'm starting to burn out. I'm starting to burn out. Let's double down. I'm going to go further. And then I fall. I go past the line again. I smash the wall. I fall on my face and I got to pick up the pieces. And then I get up and start charging forward. So my answer is <laughs> just keep <laughs> doing it, man. Like I, I, maybe I'm a glutton for the punishment. Maybe I enjoy having so much going on. Maybe I'm now addicted to this. Like I enjoy leading the family, coaching the kids, running the, the videos, doing the blog, running the fraternity, like all the many balls. I'm like, yeah, like, let's keep going. How, how much further can I go? How much more can I do? And I'll, I'll, I'll feel it just like, you know, you feel it. You're like, man, I'm really starting to like fade. Like when you catch yourself, like just you wake up and you're kind of like in the fog and like you're eating and you're like, your brain is doing so many things that you're, you're kind of just like a, a robot. You're like, hey, what's up guys? How you doing? And like, they're talking to you, but you're not hearing what they're saying. Cause in your store, in your head, you're writing a story or you're writing a blog post or you're thinking about this grand vision that you have. And they're like, oh, what do you think about that? And you're just like trying to figure out what the hell they just said to you. And you're like, yeah, that, that's a good idea. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you're just there, you know, trying to give an answer. And then all of a sudden you hit it. Like there's the wall and you just slam into it. And you're like, I need a break. So I'll take a day or two off and I'll just, oof, that's all I need though. You know, give me a day or two, just no Twitter, no, no anything. I'll talk to the guys in FOE. Hey guys, I'm not going to make it to this video chat. I've, I've got shit that came up. You know, I'm not going to see you for the next day or two. And that's me recharging. And then boom, battery's back to hundred percent like that. It's like the superchargers for phones. You know, I'm just like hundred percent. And then I jump back into the deep end and I just start swimming around, you know, doing all the things I need to do until I burn the fuck out again. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's been my tendency too. And maybe, maybe my tendency actually has been to keep pushing, even though I have hit that line and look at, Growing up, I didn't do vacations. I never went to Disneyland until I was 25. And then I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I went with my kids later and I finally got it. But at first I was like, why, why am I here? This is I not know. relaxing at all. <laughs> uh, hi, 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 <laughs> let me buff 
super high tempo. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, my, my vacations were let's go hunting and let's go camping and that's it. That's all. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I love, I love spending time in nature and hunting is a beautiful thing. And when you like, just, just as an aside, the first time you kill a magnificent beast, like an elk is always my example. When you, when you're there and you have the vitals in your scope and you know, like, this is a beautiful beast and I'm about to take this life, the responsibility that comes with that and the tear that you shed and the pain in your heart. When you eat that meat, boy, is that a lot different of an experience than just like going and buying it from the grocery store and nothing like, look, people buy meat from the grocery store. That's fine. And everything I do. But when I go there, every time I think about that elk, I just go, okay, man, you know, like, let's, let's just respect this a little bit more than you might otherwise. But you give, you give a thank you to it, you know, like that you died for me. I live because yeah. you died. You know, there's a transference of the soul. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a reason that prayer over food is uh, like a tradition in basically every religion because something had to die for you to live. That's just how it works. Everything devours to survive. And you, And then I always tell people, you know, that's a great segue because I always tell people, look, whether it's, whether it's metaphysically true or not or whatever, if you, if you yourself, here I am chance, and I had all these people and all these events and all this pain and all this suffering and all this greatness that led up to who I am. Well, what is my responsibility to the past? Maybe I don't have one really, but inside of me, I think about it, you know, because this life is a gift. None of that stuff had to happen. Maybe it did, but it did happen, and here I am, and I have this opportunity, as unlikely as it seems. And there's a lot of pain and suffering and dark shit behind me. My stuff, but generation upon generation. And now here I am. So what can I do about that? You know, How can I justify all that stuff? And it's like, well, imagine the best person that you can be, and then do everything that you can every day to become that person. And hopefully, within that best person that you imagine is... Um, doing what you can to make this time and all future times better than when you got here. My dad always told me wherever you go, leave things better than when you got there. And I think that's, that's just an easy way to sum up your duty in your life is look, leave things better than when you got here, whatever that means to you. I'm not trying to tell you necessarily. And I think most people believe that, but even so, if you work at it every day, things sure seem to be a lot better and a lot closer to that goal than if you just wish for it. And I mean, I just kind of rambled off there, so maybe I'll just let you. No, 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 it's good. Off. Let's run with it. You know, <laughs> pass, pass the ball. I got it. So, the guys that are running from stuff, you know, you, you you build a threshold, you build a tolerance when you face things. So you're running from these demons, and and you're going to stay at this perpetual, you know, level of a man, you know, as an individual, as spiritual health, you know, mental health, physical health, all that. You're going to stay at this level because you're running away from something. But when you turn and you face that thing, you fight that demon. You, you like I said, you bring it to the light. You, you destroy it and it's no longer holding you down. It's no longer an anchor. You know, your, your threshold goes up and now you're experiencing this frequency and you face the next one. It goes up this frequency. And so that threshold grows at the same time. You know, when you look at appreciating the life because you devour, you know, something else for you to live, people that watch, and I think this is very similar to, to like saying grace or something like that. You know, when I watch a YouTube video in my head, I kind of thank the person. Because of what I do now and the content I have, I know that that person gave up hours of their life because they wanted to give me something and, and they want to give something to those who need it. Just this conversation, you know, I'm looking, because we're doing it live, you know, it doesn't really count, but 
But if I were to watch one of your, your past videos, I would thank you and your guest because you're giving up so much of your time to do something because you have a calling for it. You know, that's a beautiful thing. I'm consuming your time into my life to make me better. I'm eating what it is that you gave. You know, your life was given on this video for me to consume. That way I'm going to be a better person because of whatever I learned, you know, and it's kind of the same thing. We're, we're, we're consuming the life of the, the creators out there. So when you yeah. watch the guys doing YouTube, and this isn't me patting myself on the back, it's more of a, a recognition to all those who came before me because I got here watching their videos. I, I, I figured myself out reading their blog posts, you know, watching their content, reading their books. You know, I'm standing on the shoulders of those giants and I consumed what they gave. You know, part of their life was on those words and I took them and they made them and they made me stronger and better and healthier and just a, a more well-rounded individual. So that cycle continues. And there are a lot of men out there who, you know, they, they want to say something, but they're afraid that, you know, it's been said a thousand times or my voice isn't unique. Man, there are so many hungry people out there whose souls need to hear what you say the way you say it, not the way we say it. You know, that one dude, they, if they say it once, they get it. Me and you, we could speak a thousand times and say the same thing. That person wouldn't get it. They need that one animal. They need that one phrase, the way it's said with that tone, with that accent, whatever, you know? Hmm. You know, I think a person who really exemplifies exactly what you just talked about is Jocko Willink. I mean, perhaps discipline equals freedom is not, that, I mean, that's a pretty unique thing, but I mean, the sentiment was there, but the way he phrased it was very good, but he says things that everybody says, but he says them in his way and you could never mistake it for anybody. Like back in the day, <laughs> <laughs> the, the black and white video comes in, but it's speaks to the soul, man. <laughs> exactly right. right. You know, and, and, and you've heard that phrase uttered thousands of times probably in your life. Most people have, but when you hear Jocko say it, it means a different thing than when like your drunk buddy from college says it, you know, like back in the day, oh, <laughs> back in the day, you know, when Jocko says it, it's like, Oh, I mean, he's kind of saying that funny, but there's some legit darkness in there, you know, like he, and, and that's the thing about a guy like that too. It's like, look, man, this is not a guy who is giving you these lessons because uh, he was like, good at football. This is not a guy who's given you these lessons because he was good at selling stuff. This is a guy who's given you these lessons because he was good at protecting and ending lives. This is a guy who's given you these lessons on, on the most, from the most extreme and intense place that you can learn them and then bringing them to you so that you don't have to go there and learn those lessons. And when you hear a guy like that or Goggins or, you know, even though the conversation went a little haywire when I had Sean Moore on this podcast, um, you know, I really genuinely appreciated everything that went on with that podcast because people need to see that they need to see that Sean Moore came home and lost some friends and it hurt his heart so bad that I can't even bring it up without him just not being able to continue because of all the, of all the feelings and frustrations and everything that has happened. And, and so I guess what I'm trying to say and, and maybe where I'll kick it back to you is just this idea that your life is the thing that gives meaning to the words that you say. It's your heart. It's being genuine. It's sharing from where you've been and who you truly are. And you can smell out a fake from a mile away. It, like maybe not if you're 14, but even then you're going to get burned by idolizing these fake gods, so to speak. But you know, the people who speak from the heart and say, Hey man, here's where I've been. Here's what I did to get where I'm at. And here's where I hope to go or hope to go witness, watch me because this is what I said. And this is what I'm trying to do. And I might fail. And if I do, I'm going to tell you 
why I think I did. And then I'm going to try again. And you see that. And I just wonder, man, like, where, where along the line do you feel like you learn to speak from the heart and just be, be what it is that you're trying to be and put it out there with a little bit of courage rather than to kind of shy away from that and, and worry maybe a little bit more about what people are going to think about who you really are and being afraid to put that out there because that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with, especially in this weird limbo space of the digital world that can come back and haunt your real life. When, I like your example of Jocko because he, he's such a stark contrast to a majority of people out there. The way he just approaches things. People want to wax and wane. He just goes, good. And that's it. And you're like, holy shit. You know, that, that's such a, a different message from, you know, Jordan Peterson. You know, you'll go to him for something different than you would Jocko. And Jordan Peterson will give you a 45-sentence answer where Jocko will give you one word. You know, you go to me for certain things and I would go to you for certain things. But I wouldn't go to you for something that I need to learn from somebody like George Bruno. I wouldn't go to George Bruno for something I would want to learn from somebody like Craig James because their backgrounds, everything is so different that you're, you're going to them for something. I don't go eat an orange because I want protein. You know, what it is I need in my life, I need to go to the right source. You know, some people, they connect really well with Jocko. The problem is when men start, you know, shutting themselves down or they start trying to emulate somebody else because they saw that person have success, they lose the whole point of this. You're supposed to, it's like an electronic farmer's market. You're supposed to have your own stand selling your own product. Don't, don't sell me another Jocko. I've got Jocko. Don't sell me another JVP. I've got uh, Peterson. You know, don't, don't try to be the next Hunter Drew. You can't be me. I am me. I've got my stand. Go build your own, do your own, share your story the way you want to share it. And the way I learned to do this was basically, I, I hate conformity. You know, I, I always hated in, in all the way back even as a kid, when people would, they would lie because they wanted to, to get ahead. I'm like, just do the just do the honest thing. Like be who you are. Don't pretend you're something you aren't, you know? And it, I kind of doubled down when I joined the internet because I started on Reddit. I started on the red pill subreddit. That's where all my writing began. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't as wild <laughs> then as it is now. <laughs> then I moved over to married red pill because I was like, no, my message is marriage. And I, I very easily could have doubled down on saying things that would have gotten me favor with all those guys. I could have, I could have echoed their, their statements. I could have echoed the message. I could have taken their stance on men and women. I could have done all that. And I didn't because I thought that was total bullshit. I thought I, I would just be a, a clone. I would just be a freaking, a binary little code in this username. That was totally not true. And if you ever found me, you'd be like, you're a fucking liar. You know, you're not living the life you say you're living. And to me, that was like, why would you even want to do that though? Why would you want to pretend to be somebody else? Like you're awesome. Be you, your, your flaws, your features, all of it, your past, the, the bright, the dark, cool. Like I'd much rather sit and have a conversation with somebody who's genuine than have somebody sit there and regurgitate somebody else's words. Like I've read their books. You don't don't pretend that's an original thought. You know, what is the, uh, the Matt Damon and Ben Affleck movie where the guy like quotes the textbook and he's like, yeah, I read that book too on page 94. And the guy was just like shocked because there was no original thought to follow that up. All he knew was how to repeat an echo. I'd much rather be a voice. I'd rather be the original voice than an echo of anybody else. Yeah, man. You know, that's something that I've run into in my life quite a bit. I have a, I have a great facility for memory, um, in particular for the stuff I pay attention to. It gets, I mean, I have a pretty visual memory and if I've paid very close attention, I'm not likely to forget something. Um, and because of that, 
I've often had people tell me, oh, you're so smart. You can remember all that. It's like, well, but there's a difference between memorizing something and being able to use that information. There's a difference between knowing how something works and knowing how to work something. There's, you know, there's, there's these things like there's this academic intelligence where there are these tools of intelligence, like a memory. Memory is a tool of intelligence or um, the ability to understand math or, or metaphor or different aspects of language or the ability to uh, learn languages, multiple languages quickly or whatever. There's all these metrics and tools, but that doesn't make you smart. What makes you smart is how you use them. I mean, you might, you might have the most basic set of tools. You might be Forrest Gump over here, and then you might be Forrest Gump over here too, like maximizing, totally maximizing. You got an IQ of 70, but you're a multimillionaire because you just did what you knew how to do the best of your ability. And I think that's the thing that people miss all the time. It's like, I, look, there's a lot of these autist anonymous guys on the internet who are IQ 150 but that doesn't help them have a girlfriend that doesn't help them have real life friends that want to spend time with them. That doesn't help them like it because, because the metrics are not there. Like you're not socially intelligent. You're not, you don't understand people or facial expressions, but what you're really good at is numbers and pattern recognition and codes and stuff like this. And, and there's a place for that, but you know, it's probably not out here talking shit when you could be doing something useful to be honest. And I guess that is what it is. But my point is that the, the, the dividing line for me and what makes a man's character and, and how I differentiate who I want to spend time with and who I don't is, are you acting well? And are, and are you wasting your potential? Because I don't have the same expectations for the 70 IQ guy, but I still want him to take responsibility for what he can and do his best. I have much higher expectations for the 150 IQ guy. And if he's doing everything he can, he's going to change the world and be an Elon Musk type. I mean, people have disagreements, but the guy's amazing. Uh, maybe you don't like everything he does, but he's amazing because look at what he's done and is doing all the time. And, but how many Elon Musk are there? There's a lot of smart guys out there, but how many guy, of those guys are actually meeting their potential? And how many of them are the guys on, on Twitter, on an anonymous account, being very clever and their insults. It's like, dude, you're so disappointed. You're the most disappointing. That's why I block you. It's like you're, I can't even have you around me. It's like, it's like when your kid does something just like, I can't believe that you did that. That's not who you are. That's not how your heart is. Why did you do that? I can't even believe that. When you see these guys who are obviously hyper-intelligent and what do they do with it? They waste it insulting people cleverly as clever as they can imagine it's like man that's so dark you back i lost you yeah they uh even the government doesn't appreciate my rants when i go on for so long censorship. <laughs> <laughs> that was good man i mean i think we're still recording right yeah yeah so you'll be able to just cut that out yeah editing i mean i don't give a shit if you keep it we, we can, yeah. I just sat here. I was about to text you. I'm like, hey, man, I think you're gone. Um, do you want to pick up and run with it? Because I had a pretty good point on Elon Musk. Yeah, you run with it. So you're talking about Musk and how people will look at him, you know, like how many people could be Musk. You know, they're as smart as him, but they're not doing what he does. So that also goes to the way people view the world. When you're so focused on one aspect of what life is, it taints everything. And the perfect example I can give is there's a guy that I used to go back and forth with named Artful Man. Uh, and he's, he's, his whole view is MBTI. 
and and like the the four letters they rank you know what your personality type is and if he looks at elon musk he'll say that guy is this uh, intj whatever and he's and he performs like this because of that and that's his that's why he acts the way he does and artful put him into this box because that is what the intj does and that's why elon musk fits it perfectly grab somebody like rollo tomasi he'll look at elon musk and say he is terrible with women he makes the worst decisions and you know it's going to be a woman who's going to cost us getting to mars and if he could only find a way to you know not make her the one or not make women the mission he'd be able to do so much more and rollo will take him and put him into a box and then I look at Elon Musk and I'm like, this dude's killing it. And holy shit, we're, we're one of the most brilliant minds. He's like our Nikola Tesla. The guy's getting after it. And that's, that's my neat, nice little box. This guy makes things. He's not really good with women because he keeps getting divorced and keeps fucking that up. But whatever, because I don't care because that's his life and not mine. I care that this dude's producing content that might change the way I live and the way my children live and see the world. Cool. There's the box I put him in. Those are three totally different perspectives on the same dude. We all have access to the same data. We all have access to the same, you know, news clips and, and stories about the man, but we come up to such different perspectives because Artful will see only MBTI. That is his worldview. Rolo will only see uh, sexual dynamics. That is all he sees. And then I look at it, I, like the, the average, you know, I'm high enough IQ to understand and low enough IQ to where I don't have one slim perspective because of how intelligent I am. You know, I'm more average. Therefore, I can see a bigger picture. I got a bigger box to put this dude into. It's, it's been interesting to me to see how we can all come to such different conclusions given all the same data. But I mean, that, I guess that's a, that's a feature, not a flaw of humanity. You know, that's part of why the, the corner that we're in is so awesome because I never would have thought about thinking about the way men deal with women or the way personality traits that can be replicated or, or typed you know, how that could play into the person. So you take what works and that's like your mental toolbox grows so much. But this goes back to using social media as a tool and not being used by it. I don't get angry when Artful says these four letters. I don't get angry when Rolo goes on about his rants about uh, hypergamy because why, why, why would that bother me? You know, I, I control the tools. I don't let these things influence me. If they do, I stop following. I stop reading. I let it go. I don't want to deal with that. You know, and then you've, cool. You've got your box. You're using social media. You know more. You're happier. You understand your world that you're living in. And to your point earlier, you know, being, being smart and intelligent, it's like how versus why. You know how something works, but you don't know why it works. It just does. And you know how. You follow these steps and that happens. But when you learn the whys, now you can kind of replicate it and change things and make, because you know what the stimulus is, you know, not just the end result. You can make, you can try it in different areas. You can take different experiments. You can try different things and use it to get yourself to the next level because you know why things work the way they work, not just how they work. Yeah, man, you know, I think this is a pretty important point here because a lot of people out there, um, they forget that their frame of reference is theirs and that not everybody shares it. And it's easy to do that. I mean, solipsism is sort of a natural thing. You know, you, you, it's, it's obvious that you should look at the world as though it revolves around you because your world does revolve around you. It's easy to assume that everything else does until you start to pay attention a little bit, start to step outside yourself a little bit and go, oh, well, my world revolves around me, but Hunter's doesn't. It revolves around him. And he has, and he has these people in orbit who sometimes have more gravity in his life than he does. And I know what that's like. I have a family. I have good friends. I have emergencies. I have these things that happen. Okay. But what if that's true for my enemies too? 
What if that's true for the people I most fundamentally disagree with? Well, of course it is. So what put them there? And it just, it just kind of helps broaden the understanding. But what you like, the way that I look at life is that I have this vision and this purpose inside of me. And I like to call it a divine purpose and believe that way. I recognize that's just a belief I have and I've chosen it because in the end you can't really, it's non-falsifiable, but I've lived both ways. I've lived believing in a, like a divine creator and I've lived not believing in one. And when I believe in it, my life is better and I'm happier. So I go with that. But there is a thing inside of each of us. There's a, there's this drive, there's this vision. And sometimes it's hazy. Sometimes it's fuzzy. Sometimes it's not clear at all what it is you're supposed to do, but then you learn this piece of information and you, it becomes a little clearer, a little sharper in focus. And then, and then pretty soon you go, Oh, okay. I think I can see it. And then what happens though, is you get to that spot you thought was it and you go, Oh no, that's, that was just the foreground of the picture. And now that I'm here, I can see it's bigger. And that process can continue on forever. But what you talked about, these different tools, these different people bringing the tools and their personalities to the, to the fore. When you, when you buy into somebody, then you have access to them up here. You can talk to them. Like I know you've talked to a lot of these guys in person. You've spent a time around them. And when you think about those guys, you can, you can talk to them. You can be like, well, what would Mike Cernovich think about this? Or what would Cortez think about that? Or what might Ed Lattimore say about this? Or what would Rolo say about that? And you can, like you can have access to them in there because you know what they'd say because their character and their principles and you, you know who they are and you might be mistaken in everything, but you have access to them. And when these all-stars rise up and you come into Twitter or you come into these other places, some of these fraternities like yours, where a bunch of these guys are coming and like really doing the work behind the scenes, you go, okay, I have all these people and I have all these tools and I have all these perspectives and I have my vision what can I pick from this smorgasbord of excellence to use to further my vision? And that's my frame of reference. And I have every bit of permission to see this vision through as long as I'm not hurting anybody. So why would I not take all of this stuff? Why would I try to tear these things down when I could just take what I have and add to it and then do it better? And then that's what I'm supposed to do. And I wonder like, what do you think, what do you think divides people who, would rather just take what they can and build versus those who would rather ha take what they can to destroy and, and what can be done maybe to shift some of that. I, I really like the way you spoke about each of the guys, how you can see it through their head. So once you get to know somebody and you like, you really get to know them, you meet in the flesh, you, you spend time together, you know, you, this takes years to develop that level of understanding how they think. I picture it like a ball, like life is just a ball in front of me and I've got a flashlight on it. But the more friends you make, the more flashlights shine on it. So instead of just seeing my one angle and the rest of shadows, I can think, what would Chance think of this? How would he view it? That flashlight goes on. Oh, now I see a different way of looking at the thing. Rolo, AJ, Ed, all those guys, all their flashlights now hit it. And to me, the goal is to just keep growing that till you get the best picture you can. And right now I do have the best picture I can until I make another friend and I get another perspective or I read another book and I get a new perspective. Then a new flashlight comes on, you know, what would Einstein, I read, I read something about Einstein and it clicks and I understand my world better. Now somebody who's long dead is shining a light onto life. And now I'm starting to see, instead of just shadows, I get the whole picture because it's all lit up and illuminated. And then guess what? It's a ball. It's all the way around. You know, this is like a 4D thing. So now this light's coming down. It's not just a circle. It's not 360. It's, it's all of it. And you, 
you keep on growing and keeping yourself open to seeing that. Now, a lot of people that, that want to destroy or are, are bitter or frustrated, they're, they're stuck in the sense that they don't, they either don't like what they're seeing. They're getting, they're getting very mad at how the world works. And for some, that's because of regret. You know, they're, they're older down the line. Maybe they wish they made different decisions. And instead of using that as fuel, it's an anchor. It weighs down in their heart. They're, they're disappointed in their past. They can't fly high enough. They can't, they don't want to see anymore because they're bitter about, you know, this, this opportunity that I wanted possibly to live out, whether it's children, a family, you know, maybe they got divorced and now they're, they're just, they're just so mad at what could have been like, you're a family man, I'm a family man. I, ne- neither of us want to go another week. And then all of a sudden we're divorced. We have to share our kids. Like that would be awful, but that's the reality. Now, do you take that? And do you think, man, my life sucks. And how come I couldn't get the perfect you know, story? How come I couldn't have the, the fairy tale ending? And you're just so like down and you had such a grand vision of what the life looked like, even though you didn't have all the lights on it. You thought I'm going to die an old man. I'm going to have grandkids and great grandkids. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. And my beautiful wife, my bride will be near me and I'll push her with my cane on the swing, you know, when we're old and you have this whole vision. You have it. I have it. We, let's not even bullshit. All family men have that vision. And then when it's taken from you, you're like, why? Like, what did I, why did I deserve to have this shittiness? And then that leads to just, it's like a black poison. It's like the, the nothing of never ending story or something. You know, it's, it's just a darkness that now it's consuming. And now the lights that were on, they're, they're off. You don't care what AJ thinks anymore. His flashlight's off. You don't care what role thinks. You're just so mad that now you're taken away what once gave you a great view. And I, because I don't live it, it's hard for me to really understand that mindset. You know, I, I don't have that that destructive want to break things. I want to build things, but I, I can understand, you know, when guys get into that loop, it's, they got to find a rope and climb and they've got to get out of there and find some light because it's, it's dark and it makes them want to break shit. Yeah, man. Um, you know, like I suppose, I suppose for people it's like, uh, I want to run with the never ending story stuff just <laughs> just because I think it's funny, but you know, like who's going to be your pink luck dragon named Falcor who rescues you from the swamp of sadness at the last yep. moment after your horse Artax drowns and you know, who's going to be your Gamork who's the, like the monster at the edge of the abyss seeking to rend your flesh so you can't escape it. And you know, who's going to be the bully who drives you into the dumpster in the alley that makes you feel alone enough that you seek out the hero's journey in the first place. You know, there's a lot of, I love that movie. I grew up with that movie. That was a good one. And the reason, the reason I, I just kind of ran with that is just because look, man, like we all, we all have been that little boy in that movie from time to time in our lives. Even if you're popular and you're athletic and you're intelligent, um, there's fail. There's there's failures. Maybe you just like did something you knew you shouldn't. It was a failure of conscience, and one little failure of conscience can haunt you your whole life if you let it. I but wherever you are, that's where you're at. You can't do anything about what got you there. It's the same thing as like, yeah, okay, man, some shitty stuff happened to you, and it wasn't your fault. It just came at you out of nowhere. Maybe you got t-boned in a car accident, or maybe you got taken advantage of as a kid, or you know, maybe you're. Um, parents had a real rough relationship and the emotional stuff just messed you up or whatever. But yeah, it's not your fault, but what are you going to do about it? Cause you're here and this is your life and this is your space. And the only time you have is right now. You can't change any of that, man. It just is what it is. So are you going to let it destroy you or not? Like, what are you going to, what are you going to do, man? 
Even if it's not fair, what are you going to do? Even if it is fair, what are you going to do? Are you going to haunt yourself? You're going to let the past haunt you. It's the same thing as you like, I like that metaphor, the flashlights on the ball of light. And, and just like you talked about, it's like, okay, well, what are you going to shine your light on? You're going to shine your light on, you're going to try to, you know, you're going to try to light up the dark side of the moon or are you going to focus on right here? What's right in front of you, what you can see and do something about it. Cause there's plenty of problems right in front of you. you know, the problems of the past can't change. The problems that are right in front of you can. Which one are you going to put your attention to? Resentment's a problem, man. Anger, like irrational, unresolved anger is a problem. Depression is a problem. Listlessness and, and this nihilistic view of meaninglessness. All these things are problems. And the reason that they're problems is because they limit you from rising to your potential and enjoying your life. Life is good if you let it be. And what it takes is for you to work on the things that are right in front of you right now. That's how it works, man. That's how it works. So what are you going to do? You're going to be crushed under the weight of the past, or you're going to use the past as the foundation from which to jump from. It's up to you. And I wonder, man, like, do you know what the the hardest part of this is? Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say that the hardest part when dealing with this and when working with those guys is, is to get them to see that it's, it's a slide to go down and break and do things because to them, it's so hard. Their life is, is, is frustrating and it's pain and it's hurt. And for you to say, well, you're taking the easy path that just, it almost infuriates them more, but it's true. I have to build this shed. It'd be so much easier for me to take a sledgehammer and break it to pieces. It'd be so much easier for me to just break things down and destroy something, you know, but that's going down the slide again, that we're going down. It's easy. It would be hard for me to, to, to put this all finally together. It's going to be harder. And that's fine. It's the right thing to do. But in the moment when you're, when your soul and your, maybe your heart's broken, maybe you're just frustrated. Maybe you're envious. you maybe you're, you're just sad. And for somebody to tell you like, Hey, but you're by, by staying in that state and by choosing to, to break and not create, you're doing the easy thing. It's almost like a slap in the face. Like I'm already down and you're telling me I'm doing the wrong thing by, by being down. Yes. Yes, you are. And that sucks and it's hard, but that's life. And if you want to achieve more, if you want to get out of the cycle, you've got to, you've got to do the hard thing and climb, just grab one fucking stone and pull, you know, just, just start stepping up and get off this spiral to, to, to the abyss. Yeah, man, look, difficulty is it's like, it's like each person has a difficulty debt for being alive. Um, and you can, you can pay your debt monthly on time. Um, or you can like be late on your debt payments and then you can accrue a bunch of fees and interest and then you're going to pay way more difficulty debt at the end of your coasting. Than you, it's, and it's the same as your mountain metaphor. It's like, look, if you're climbing up a mountain and you fall, you have an acute angle, you know? But if you're climbing down and you fall, you have an obtuse angle and you have the momentum of the fall. So yeah, you can climb and fall and whack your face or break your wrist or scuff your hands or whatever, but you only fell this far. <laughs> or, you know, you can just fall on the way down. You know, you're running like, wee, this is cool. And then you hit <laughs> and, you, and, and you, you know, you tumble all the way down, you break every bone you got. And then you're laying there at your rock bottom. And then you go, man, this sucks. How could it get any worse? And then the birds of prey come in and start pecking at your wounds because you were just laying there instead of getting up and doing the hard thing again. It's like, man, it's a lot harder to crawl out of the wilderness after falling down a mountain than it is to like put an ace bandage around your wrist after falling up a mountain. You yep. pick. <laughs> <laughs>
that's, that's a wild vision, man. Like I'm sitting thinking about like, holy shit. Then I really like, you know, the guys who are like, it's not fair. You know, this, this isn't fair. I lost any semblance of shits to be given when I watched a documentary where like some antelope was giving birth and like this thing was born and then eaten by a jackal. Like literally, <laughs> like, like dude, the thing was born and eaten like that. Like it came out of the womb to die. And I was like, wow, like it's not fair. This dude, like this, the mother spent all this time eating, taking care of this thing, has her little antelope dreams of this thing prancing through the prairie with her. And it's like, yo, you're two minutes old and dead. Like that, that's not fair. Like life isn't fair. This just is what it is. So stop feeling sorry for yourself. Fall up the mountain at least. Yeah, man. You know, that's a, that's like one of those super late term abortions right there. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, I remember watching it. I was like, a part of me died. <laughs> like some of my innocence was stolen and I, I was like an adult. Like this is like a few months ago. So I'm, yeah. thir- I'm 32 now and I'm like, wow, that, that really sucks. <laughs> that, that was brutal. Well, look, dude, people have this idea that nature is majestic and they're hundred percent right. They just don't like to admit what that majesty is. It's the majesty that occurs when devour to survive is played out on the grand scale. It's like, dude, <laughs> you know how amazing it is. We've survived. That thing just got eaten the second it was born. <laughs> That's, dude, as well. Like when you step back, man, it, it that transcends just nature. You know, it, it's everything. It is life. You know, you got a cool job, but then you're hit by a car. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, you 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 build these these women to these beautiful things, but you're not looking at their the negative side of their nature. You know, you, you trusted your brother, but like he was in it for him, and he, he screwed you out of a partnership. You know, there's this goes into everything in life. You have to kind of understand like it just is, and it's that's hard for people to understand because they want the romantic nature to stay. They want it to be this poetic thing, but like, hey. Life is life. You know, that's why you got to find good people. Like, I think I, I would trust you if we had a, an agreement on something, you know, because you vet a person. Like, I think we, we would meet in the middle, do our thing, create whatever, and then go our separate ways. You know, and there are some people you meet them, you're like, nope. <laughs> like, I can tell, like, you're just going to fuck me over that, that as soon as I turn my, my neck, you're going to steal something from me or something like that. So stop, stop overlooking these red flags, you know, start dealing with the reality of nature. Yeah, man. It's a... Uh it's one of the greatest gifts I think that humanity has. It's like, look, like you said, people want this rom this romantic story. It's like, well, my friends, poetry is written, you know, like you have the opportunity to create the meaning in your life. That's what, like, that's what it is. Life isn't meaningless. Life means what you assign to it. It's your life, man. You're writing the story. You could literally write a memoir, right? And the, the series of events and your thoughts about them and the, the light through which you portray them and everything, it gives rise to a story. People read this and go, this is a life story. Or if you write a work of fiction that's loosely based upon things you've observed and it has an arc, it has a narrative arc, it has a story arc. People are going to go, this is a story. This is a life story. And this is believable because it has these principles, it has these things present, which you know a story has to have. It's the same thing for your own life. And I think that's the point a lot of people miss. If you're down, if you're sad, write yourself out of that story, man. It's up to you. Your meaning is yours. And there's, sure, like I, it's not as common as people would like to say, but there are people who got things wrong with their brains. Uh, you know, I have things wrong with my brain and I've had to learn how to counteract them and everything. But that's my point too. It's like, yeah, okay. I get depressed every year. Uh, I'm on the autism spectrum. I come from a long line of crazy people what am I going to do about that? You know, am I going to feel sad about it? I did for a long time and I just about 
destroyed myself while I was destroying everything around me. That's why, that's why I have the message I have. It's like, dude, I, I have been you and you're an idiot. You want to you know how I know? Cause I've been you and I was an idiot. Cause I was you. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to help you, man. You know, like just, just shut the fuck up and, and do something positive and then keep doing that and you'll feel good. I promise. I promise. There's a way out of this. Write your own story. It's all you have to do, man. And, and that's, that's one of the critical points that people, especially in this younger generation, I think are failing to learn. Like my generation had this crisis of, of belief and faith in the state and their religions and all these institutions, the media, everything, man. It's just like, you're lying to me. My parents have been lying to me about Santa Claus. The media has been lying to me about everything. The government's been lying to me about why we go to war. Everybody's been lying to me. I have this crisis of faith, man, nothing's real. There's no purpose. There's not, there's not genders. There's no right and wrong. You know, there's no, like, there's no foundations of truth. There's not, it's just a power game. It's just a, it's just a construct and I'm going to construct it in a way where I win. Fuck you. Okay. That's the story you're going to choose. That's the thing that boggles my mind. It's like, okay, if everything is a construct, why are you choosing the worst story to live out? Why are you choosing a story of venom and animosity and vindictiveness and anger and hurt and victimization and suffering at every corner? It's because you hate your life, man. Why don't you just do something about that instead of trying to wreck my life and the lives of everybody around you? Why are you trying to destroy the truth? Because it hurts. That's how you know you're alive, dummy. And I, you know, I just wonder, like, what do you, what do you think can be done to shift the momentum behind this trend of pulling things apart and distrusting everything to the point of not believing in anything? I think you kind of brought us full circle with that one. You know, when we first started talking about social media and how you control what it is you see, what it is you use, you know, you're in charge of who you're following. And if you can get over the fact that, oh, you might hurt somebody's feelings if you unfollow them, stop. If they're toxic for you, don't worry about the damn feelings. Unfollow, like you control what it is you consume. You've got to change it. And the biggest thing that I believe and that I've seen make a difference in, in breaking that is showing genuine actions of goodness. The other day, I so George Bruno started giving shout outs to people who follow him. These guys are, are nobody that can really help advance his uh, endeavors. You know, they're, they're following the supporting, that's great, but he's giving a shout out to a guy who has 10 followers and he's just a dude. Good, he's showing recognition and that person sees that and they're like, oh wow, this guy actually cares that I'm giving him my follow and my time and my attention and my energy. And I've started doing the same. And you start promoting people and sharing stories. Uh, Roman McClay, you know, he, I, I didn't even think about this when it happened, but he hit me up. He's like, Hunter, like you, you, you gave a shout out to my book and you shared my product before I could do anything for you. And I was like, dude, I didn't care about you doing anything for me. I enjoyed what you were doing and I respected you as a man. And he's like, oh, wow. And like, but those actions, people see that. And they're like, oh, wait, it's not just a me culture. You can give away without fearing, you know, of somebody stealing your, your, your market or steering eyes, uh, stealing eyes, you know, that could be on your stuff. Like if you live with such a scarce mindset, you're not paying attention to what I'm saying. The world is bountiful. Go out there and stop thinking that you've got to, you got to protect this little plot of land. Go out there and just live on, on, on the world. The world is your land. You know, people are so, they're looking in about what's in it for me. They forget. You've got to put a hand out, you know, to shake somebody, to meet somebody, to, to introduce them. You've got to extend. You've got to give selflessly. And inside the Fraternity of Excellence, inside any, any group, uh, 21Con that I've been a part of, 
it's always been about giving. You know, you give your time, you give your energy. At the last convention, I was up until dawn almost every night, just just hanging out, talking with these guys because I knew I've only got four days. I need to maximize it for them. They paid money to come here. I'm going to give everything I possibly can to forge a relationship inside the fraternity. If you need me, my phone number will go off and I will take it because that, that's what we do. We, we take care of one another. And when you take those actions and people see it, I think it starts to get rid of the narrative of anger and, and, and hate and just deceit everywhere. You know, they start to see there are good people. And I think conversations like this are a part of that. I think we're, people will hear this and they'll think, you know, wow, like they're, they're, they're talking real shit. This isn't, you know, theoretical stuff. Like this is real applicable to real world right now shit that could change lives. And in the exact immediate moment that somebody hears these words coming out of my mouth, they can decide enough is enough. I'm done living in a world where I'm bitter at everything. I'm done letting, you know, these people influence me. I'm going to get rid of the energy. Unfollow, 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 block, 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 whatever you want to do. You know, you're shutting down the static and all of a sudden you find that signal that I was talking about in the beginning. And now you're, that signal is connected. Because I think all of us are on some kind of plane to where you can just feel somebody who's authentic. You walk into a bar, you can feel somebody that's, that's dangerous. You just, you don't, they don't have to say anything. It's not even body language. You just get a feeling. You can't hear that or tap into that if you've got a thousand things going through your head that are just static and you know, blocking you from hearing the signal. So you just remove the toxicity from your life. And you know, if you start doing good things, I keep doing good things. Other guys keep doing good things. You know, people will see that and then they'll change. Yeah, man. Number one, I just want to shout out to Roman McClay as well. I love that dude. He's a, he's got such a good big heart combined with such a dark big mind. <laughs> I mean, that book of his is something else. I sanctioned the book, folks. Go check it out. But yes, I 100% endorse. Yeah, man. Everybody does who reads it. You know, <laughs> it's one of those. Things. I told you, man. I put something out. It's like this will change your life. Like you won't think the same after. No. Yeah. He's something else. He's one of those guys. I can't wait to shake his hand in person. He's such a good dude, but same. one thing you talked about, it's a lesson that I credit Jack Murphy with really kind of passing on to me for this social realm. He, he put out a tweet months ago and he said, look, I'm looking to do podcasts right now. I'm looking to have a conversation. I'm kind of taking a break from mine. So I will come on yours. And a couple of my friends recommended he come talk to me. And he's like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So we had a conversation and it was cool. And, you know, it was my first time really talking to one of the, um, let's call them more notable personalities on Twitter. And I was like, this is cool, man. You know, like this guy's got all these things going on and he's got all these people he could talk to. And he's coming to talk to me and spending an hour or whatever with me. Really appreciate it. And I just kind of was asking him like, hey, man, I see what you're doing and I respect it. And I want to know how to do that. How do I do that? And one of the things he told me is lead with giving, you know, how do you, how do you land an interview with a notable personality? Well, go buy their book, go say some nice stuff about them, go retweet their stuff, go, you know, go send them an email from their webpage, tell them that you appreciate this article, go buy their brain potion, go, you know, like whatever, go join their thing. And I have found that not only is that effective, I mean, I like service anyway, but I just hadn't really like put two and two together about the social media thing. But yeah, man, I go buy a book and then I get a podcast guest. You know, I've done that a bunch of times or, or go like say, you know, say, say five nice things about this person over the course of a week and then throw out an invitation. Chances are they're going to come. And sometimes it doesn't work, but then you still did something nice. 
or you still have this book that you can read that's going to be interesting, or you still have this, you know, what, you know, whatever you invested, it's not like you just bought that in a vacuum to talk to the person It's useful and you want to know about it anyway. So that's just something I really want to reiterate about what you talked about and just continue to pass that lesson on is look, if you want good things to happen in your life, do good things first in order for things to change you must change. And if you want things to get better, then you got to get better. It doesn't, it's not the opposite. You don't get a raise and then you start doing better work. You get a raise because you started doing better work. You don't make friends and then start behaving in a better way. You start behaving in a better way and then you attract new friends. And that's a critical distinction that I think a lot of young people especially miss and you can, like you said, you can walk into a bar. Well, the guy who's 45 in there and who's hanging out with the 20-year-olds, there's something wrong with that dude. Otherwise, you'd have peers who were men who were accomplished and successful, and he'd be one of them. Wouldn't be hanging out here with the binge drinkers at the bar. Stay away from that dude. He's trouble. And you can <laughs> Watch out for so the dirty old man. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, he might be fun to have a drink with on a Friday, but if you're hanging out with him from Friday through Monday, you're probably doing meth and having a real bad time doing dark shit. You should don't do that. And it's the same for people on Twitter. There's some people who, you know, it might be fun to have a sarcastic exchange with them from time to time. But if you're letting them derail you from the conversations with the people who need to hear your message, then you're fucking up. There's no getting around it. It's just, so, you know, spend your time wisely and spend it with people who can amplify your message rather than destroy it is, is my suggestion. So look, look, man, we did kind of go full circle and then I started rambling again. Um, but I think this would be a pretty good place to cut off the conversation and I'd, and maybe come back and have another one at some point. Cause I don't like to let these conversations go on too, too long. And I feel like I could talk to you forever. You're easy, easy guy to talk to. <laughs> this is good, but, man. Good vibes. <laughs> so look, there's this thing I'd like to do at the end of the podcast. And we've talked about responsibility and we've talked about being a representative of the light. And we've talked about taking control of your life and things. And just like many times before, people are going to hear this. And that's the whole point of this podcast. I mean, it's selfish for me because I got to talk to people like you and you brought it up earlier, but I'm so grateful to have these hour, hour and a half conversations with people who I respect. That's the whole reason I reached out to you in the first place because I respect you and I like what you're doing. So I wanted to pick your brain, but you know, people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, okay, man, that Hunter Drew seems like a cool dude. And, and I don't know what his real name is, but I don't even care at this point because I can tell he's a cool dude. Hunter, man, you know, I've been listening to your podcast with Chance and I like these things that you talked about and I'm on board, but I'm a young guy and I've been confused and, you know, I, I'm not sure where I can start. I'm not sure what I could do right now. And if that person was sitting in front of you, whoever that is in your mind's eye, and they asked you what they could do, what are the one or two things that you would tell them that they could get the most bang for their buck on in terms of being able to start building themselves into the person they imagine they could be? I would say it's time, it's past time to, to stop talking about what it is you want to do and where it is you want to go. Everybody has a great story. Everybody has desires. You know what separates those who are living that life and those who aren't? The ones who are going out and doing the thing. Lifting weights is hard. You have to do it. I don't, I don't want to hear, you know, well, I'm sore. Well, I've got, I don't have time. Look, man, that's where you start. You start by challenging yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. It, it's on you to do the actions. The heaviest lift, the hardest lift to do is to open the gym door. Once you're there, it's easy to do the work. 
You just got to get there. So for anybody that would be sitting in front of me, I would say, are you taking care of your health? Because it starts there. Before you do anything, before you go on and read more books about the perfect program, before you, you read every blog post to learn how to talk to women, you know, understand these things are making you well-read. You know, you're maybe more intelligent, but you've accomplished nothing. You've gone nowhere physically in the real world. Up here, you're developing, but there's a trident of masculinity. There's three pods. It's your mind, your body, and your spirit. And if, and if one of them is really strong, your mind is really strong, but your body is so weak and your spirit is so weak, you're going to fall. You're not balanced. You're not, you're not on an even keel. So you've got to make sure you're looking at all of these things. The first being your physique. You've got to take care of yourself and the health that you have to experience and process all the energy that's coming into it. The next is mentally where it is you want to go. When you see men, and if you're online and you see a bunch of guys who are popular and all these other guys are talking about these men, and you start following because other people are following, understand that you are now part of the herd. You're following, you're following somebody else. You need to look at people whose life, you know, men who are living a life you want to live or spreading a message you want to spread. If you don't want a family, but you want to live authentically and, and have you know, a brotherhood, then I would make sense. If you don't want a family and you just want to do the lone wolf and you want to be by yourself and create things and be an entrepreneur, I'm not the guy to follow. Go find somebody who's living that life and, and, and see how they did it. And like you said, give. Start, let them know, like, hey, I've already taken this action, this action, and this action. Here are my results. Do you have any advice to give me? Don't go to them blindly and say, tell me what to do. You've tried nothing. You've not invested in yourself. Why would anybody else care to invest in you if you don't care to invest in you? That doesn't make sense. Again, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, you have to start and bring your results, success or failure, to somebody who's living the life that you want to live or want to live like, and then ask them for some help. You're not going to get anywhere alone. You need a mentor. And lastly, for your soul, understand that you are not on isolation island. You might have 40,000 followers on Twitter, but if you don't engage with them one-on-one, -on -one, if you don't have conversations like we're having here, if you don't break the electronic bonds, if you're not living this way in the real world, understand you're LARPing. Live action role play. You're saying you want these things. You're pretending to be this character who's getting after it. But in all reality, you're alone because you've not actually forged a real bond with anybody. Having online friends is cool. You are no longer confined to proximity to, to build bonds and meet men that are like-minded that we want to associate with more. You know, we're no longer confined to our town. You can talk to anybody across the globe, but it's got to be real. You've got to share the real you, not the character that you want to be, not the man that you want to become, who you are. You will become that man as you work for it. But until then, you are who you are. Embrace that and work towards becoming that next man. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. Because look, there's, there's this natural tendency to pretend online or just to, even if it's not a conscious decision, most people aren't putting up the sadness or the darkness in their lives. They're just putting up the happy pictures or the happy places at the happy times. And to a certain extent, I mean, that's fine. You wouldn't want it to be the opposite either. You wouldn't want people to just put down their sadness, their darkness, their, you know, because the people who do do that, it's, it's pretty, it's like a pretty poisonous thing that happens there. But I guess my point is, and just to maybe wrap up my final thoughts in response to what you said is just that, Maybe, maybe the person you portray yourself online ought to be just the one step you're working on right now better than you are because, you know, Hey, this is what my mind is on. This is what I'm focused on. This is what I'm going to be talking about. If you just put that one step you're working on and you're realistic about it, 
then pretty soon you are that, you know, like, like you talked about, if you, if you're, if you're, if you're setting your bar way up here, but then in reality, you're living down here, this big, huge gap right here is going to be so obvious the minute anybody really sniffs you out to really take a time to look at you and what you're doing. You're going to go, that's not you. That's not you. But if you're right here and you're talking about right here, well, if you're actually doing anything, then pretty soon you just are right there. It's not a fraudulent thing. It's just like I'm sharing my process right here. This is what I'm saying to myself to get me there. And any like anything really beyond that, and then you start to get this fraudulent thing. So just like I do encourage you folks to to have that next step and to talk about that next step and embody it until you become it. I don't like fake it till you make it. I like embody it until you become it. I, f I feel like that's a more genuine thing. Like I am acting as though I am this person right here because – by acting this way, I am becoming this person right here. And it's not like I'm, I'm trying to be Brad Pitt, but I'm, I'm like Ethan Souple, And you know, like I I'm claiming that I'm six, six foot and 160 pounds, but really I'm this like six foot three guy sitting in the basement and I'm like 400 pounds, but look, Ethan Souple, I respect your work and everything. I'm just saying like most people want to look like Brad Pitt, <laughs> but the <point> <laughs> <dropped> <laughs> well, I really, really crash that one crash landing on the Potomac. We, were, we were hovering and then it's like <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome we'll carrier jet. so look man um is there is there anything you feel like you want to talk about that we missed right now that you any final gems you want to offer the people no uh let's save it for the next one you know let, we'll, we'll talk again and then let's shift the topics we're covering Okay, so why don't you tell the people where they can find you online and your different things? I'm most active on Twitter. That's where pretty much daily. So that's at HunterDrewTFA. The blog is TheFamilyAlpha.com. The Brotherhood is FraternityOfExcellence.com. And I'm trying to bring life to that Instagram, which is also HunterDrewTFA. Very good. And is there anybody you'd like to say hello to? Hey, Roman. Someday we'll have a <laughs> chat. <laughs> What up, Roman? <laughs> I like that. Cool. Well, you good? Good job, man. Thanks for having me on. Yep. It's Logo Centrifugal Podcast. I've been Chance Lunsford. He's been Hunter Drew. And we are out. We here at the Logo Centrifugal Podcast work hard to bring you the highest quality audio, the best editing, and the most professionalism of any podcast on the market. Either that or we do the exact opposite. Either way, consider supporting the podcast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can support the podcast by supporting the podcast. There's a link somewhere, and I encourage you to click the link to support the podcast professionally.